You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. We've been in a series, lots of new guests today, so I understand you haven't tracked with us through this whole series. Please feel welcome to go back and podcast uh, where we've been so far. But basically, we've, to summarise it really shortly, we've been looking at what it looks like to be the church. And we started with this wide idea that God has this invention. From the moment man decided to turn their backs on God. He had this idea to bring them back, restore them back to him. And so Ephesians starts, if you picture like the wide wide picture, and it slowly zooms in. Starts with this universal plan to redeem us, bring us back to the family table, back to the Father's house. And then now by Ephesians 5 and 6, which we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks, it starts to get personal. What it looks like to be the church behind closed doors what it looks like to be the church, um, yeah, when nobody's watching or when you're with your kids or with your spouse, which we're going to get to in a couple of weeks. So what's it look like to be the church in our home, particularly with children? Now, the temptation this morning would be, if you're single, newly married, have grown-up kids, have older kids, don't have kids, you might be going, right, I'm going to switch off, I can sleep now, I can fall asleep and then wake up at 2pm this afternoon and hopefully that'll be relevant to me. You don't get to do that, sorry. Because the Bible's super clear about a couple of things. That this is a family. He says this is a household. We've already spoke about that in earlier weeks. This is a community committed to each other. That's the actual real commitment. It's not to the building. It's not to the service time. It's to each other. Very clear. And so anyone here actually that knows something about Jesus is actually spiritual parents or spiritual grandparents or spiritual brothers and sisters. The last thing Jesus says as he leaves, he goes, go make disciples, go make more students, go make children of me, teaching them in my ways. That's to everyone. Everyone's responsible for the next generation. I'm not just talking young ones, I'm talking young at heart or, or young in their faith. You can be young in your faith at 102, you can just be meeting Jesus. And so, can't switch off, unfortunately, this morning. No one gets out scot-free today from letting this word apply to your life. In fact, some of you that run small tables, as we're starting to do those, for those that don't know, that's our small group system, I guess you call it here, that's our language we're using if you run or you're part of a small table, you become spiritual brothers and sisters and parents to the group. They're your children, in a sense. So there's stuff for us all to consider. I'm not going to get into heaps of specifics this morning because I've got a, my oldest is six. I'm not an expert on this. Um, in fact, I'm learning through mistakes. But luckily we have the word to give us insight at any, at any level of parenting. So what does it look like to see people grow 
What does it look like to help people grow in their faith and mature? Well, the first thing Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 is this. Next slide. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. I'll say it again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This simple phrase has so much in it. Most commentaries and reading around this mostly agree that this is not talking about a moment in time. This is talking about an attitude around honouring your parents at any stage of life. Because this is pretty unhelpful for Noah, <laughs> my little three-year-old. He can't read. And so he's not going to read this and go, oh, I better do what dad says when I said don't eat that or don't do that. This is more than just, you better start behaving, boy. You better start obeying me. This is more than a com- something I can use on him. This is about children. Honour your parents through every stage of life. There's a, there's a posture here. And it's also not talking about blind obedience. Many a strict parent, even a non-strict parent, all of us, I reckon, have those moments. I haven't yet. My kids are too young, but I know it's going to slip out one day when I say to my kids, the Bible says you better obey me, or God's watching. I'm going to say something like that, but it's actually not what this is meant to be used for. We all have moments, but it's not actually what this passage is meant to be used for. Because the problem is, if you're going to use the Bible like that, then you better use all of it. Children, obey your parents in what? In the Lord. If you're going to use the children, obey your parents line, you better be prepared to use in the Lord. Part. What I mean by that is, all these instructions better be, or, or should be from a parent who is attempting to listen to their own father in heaven. It's not about a parent trying to rely on their own wisdom. There's a big difference. A parent that's listening to the father in the Lord, there's something that happens when they ask their children to obey that as well. Like a parent who tells his kids church is important, but there's a really important footy or sporting match on TV, so sometimes we'll just send mum and the kids. All had those moments, there's no judgment there, but you know what, there's there's a disconnection there. Or a parent who tells the siblings not to be so rude to each other, but after a stressful morning is happy to disrespect the spouse on the drive home. Or a parent who tells the kids that the family is the most important thing to them, but if you looked at their diary, it would say something different. This is not judgment. This is wisdom from Paul to say, parents, we know you're not perfect. But the best way to disciple or parent is to make sure you're a disciple <laughs> to the Father. Let me say that again. Parents, we know you're not perfect. It's not about being perfect. But as you disciple your kids, make sure you are a disciple of the Father yourself in the Lord. Walking in the Lord and helping them walk with you. Let me put it this way. You can't raise an authentic Jesus-focused disciple if you are not an authentic Jesus-focused disciple. Say that one more time. You can't raise an authentic Jesus-focused disciple if you are not an authentic Jesus-focused disciple. Why not? I don't have to make it up. Paul tells me in the next verse. He says this. 
Do not provoke your children to anger. Do not provoke your children to anger. Paul tells us the consequence of a life lived of hypocrisy. He says in another version, it says exasperate. Frustrate, anger your kids. This goes for spiritual kids. This goes for the people you're mentoring. My six-year-old is already proving this back at me. She says things like this. Dad, I thought you said McDonald's is a bad food to have all the time. As we head into the drive-thru. Dad, I thought your mum... How come you get to watch TV before bed when you say, I can't? They know. Six. She calls me out of my hypocrisy. I've got room to grow too. But it exasperates them. If we say one thing, we say, you better obey me, but they don't see us obeying the Father. It it makes them frustrated if they say, don't do this, but we go ahead and do the opposite. Now, parents are allowed to do certain things kids aren't. I'm not saying that. But just be careful. They will know, and again, not just parents, your small group, those you're mentoring, different in age, different in spiritual faith age, whatever you're doing, just people know what you believe. They will know you, what you truly value by how you live. Small table leaders, spiritual parents and mentors, sometimes the most important part of even your small group is actually just opening up your home and letting them see you being real and sharing life with people. Little kids are allowed to see broken parents, imperfect people clinging to Jesus. We talked about that last week. We're all broken people committing to each other, clinging to Jesus. Kids are allowed to see that as long as they see the clinging part. So how do we do this though? That's a good thought. How do we step out and spiritually parent or parent or mentor or be that uncle or auntie or grandparent? How do we do that? Well, he uses two lines here, two words. He encourages us with discipline and instruction, and this is so insightful. This is so important. There's a reason he gives us this tension, these two words. Another version says training and instruction. When growing children and growing disciples, you must have this tension between training and instruction. Paul knows we're not perfect, and so he gives us this tension. We say here, one of our values, part of our small tables, is truth and practice. It's a similar thing. Truth and practice, training and instruction. What do I mean by this? Well, let me show you this next slide, and let me read something to you. Imagine you want your kids to learn music. And so every night you gather them around and you go, kids, gather around the table. I'm going to read from my music theory book. And you say, this figure displays the fundamental diatonic seventh chord of the key C major. Everybody say C major. The first chord with C is a root. It's called a major seventh chord. It's denoted by the first, also called the C major seventh chord and denoted C C major minor seventh. The second chord with D is a root. Now, little Noah, repeat the next bit, and he says, it's called a minor seventh chord, Dad, it's denoted. And you go, right, well, good. We've done our study for tonight. Let's all go to bed. Wake up better musicians. It sounds silly, but that's literally sometimes how we think discipleship works when it comes to Jesus. Recite the Bible as if we think we're going to get to heaven and... 
whatever's there waiting for us at the gate, an angel maybe says, all right, you can come in, but recite to me John 3.16. And, oh, you pass the test. Now, don't get me wrong. Scripture memorization, theory is good. It's part of it. I'm not saying instruction is good. But at some point, at some point, like my parents, dragging me, kicking, screaming and crying because I wanted I had to sit there and learn piano. And I'm so thankful for it. They said, you'll thank us one day. I'm like, yeah, right. Thank you, mum and dad. <laughs> it turns out I will thank you because I have this basis in music. I had to sit down at a piano at some point and practice. Yes, there was music, music theory, but there's also practice, learning, instruction and training. John 3.16 is a wonderful passage. But it's no good if you don't understand that God forgave us so that you can go and forgive others. That's the training. Oh, that's right. For God so gave, gave his son for me that I have eternal life. Oh, I can actually forgive that person that just stole that toilet roll from me at the shops. I can let it go. Because God lets everything that I've done go. You've got to practice this. You've got to train in this, live in this. Just knowing the answers is not going to grow anyone or anyone alone. We need to, and we've been talking about this as a church, we need to dig deep roots. We need to cut in and try this stuff, fail at this stuff. The gospel, discipleship needs to be lived, needs to be relevant, needs to actually be real. The things we do need to matter. We're not, we said this last week, we're not playing church here. We're not pretending. We're not rocking up at a sporting match and watching something. We are the church and we're living it out. Sometimes failing it, but we're living it out, clinging to Jesus. So my encouragement as we go forward today is this. One, to see this family as a church. To see our small tables as our families for what they are. They are a training ground. This is a training ground with a purpose. Our purpose and mission is being changed and grown by Jesus. And the things we do and set in place as a family is about training and equipping. And like a training routine, you need predictable patterns. I'm um, apparently going in a on a hike in a couple of months. Uh, Mark Payne was telling me about it, so I'm joining up on a hike with him. Now, I'm yet to even go for a walk, a proper walk. So if I don't put in predictable patterns, which I won't like at 5am in the morning before the kids wake up going for a run, but if I don't, if I don't put things in my life, you're going to have to probably say, come July, find a new senior pastor, because I would have maybe passed away from an asthma attack on top of a mountain. Unless I put predictable patterns in, it's on my mind, I need to actually get up and go for a run. It'll start with a street, I'll wheeze my way back, then it'll start with two streets, I'll wheeze my way back, and eventually I might be able to go on this hike with a couple of these men. Predictable patterns, training grounds, I need to put in things in my... In, and if you're a family, you need things like this in place. Marker points, I heard a sermon recently called it altars in the house. Things where your family... No, you go to worship. Things where your family marker points, this is what we do. This is what we're about.
It's funny, all tradition, when you think about it, all tradition is actually just this. All tradition is at one point in time, a family or a church said, this is a great way to bring us back to God. Let's keep doing it. Everything. Sometimes traditions change. The main thing is, they're marker points for our big family to remember who Jesus is and to train ourselves in it. Jesus did this. Communion. Do this in remembrance of me so you don't forget. He could have just said that, but he gave him something to do. He said, every time you eat, every time you're around Christians, just remember why you can gather. It's because of me. So here's a couple of things. I'm not giving you so much parenting advice, but here's a couple of things I've been trying with my family. And here's a couple of things I hear about that you might want to think about or alter or, or the type of things I'm talking about. It's not a formula. So one of the things I've been trying as a family lately is, I don't just, I've, I've talked about it before, but I don't just say grace. So we got into a habit. Friday night's our main family dinner night with the kids and got into the temptation of just saying a poem. Thank God for our food, amen. Now we go around and I've just asked the kids, this is not some crazy, amazing parenting technique, but just ask the kids what they're thankful for this week. Hey, Aria, what are you thankful for? For Belle, it's normally the food right in front of her then and there. That's okay. Noah, it's something that didn't happen normally, like the roller coaster. We're, we're thankful for roller coasters. You haven't been on one, matey, but we're thankful for that. And we just take a moment to thank God for everything he gives us. And my kids know it's a marker point. They say, when are we having family dinner? Is it family dinner tonight? And sometimes we have things on Friday night and they're like, we didn't have family dinner. Aria called this Friday night because Mez wasn't here, half family dinner. So that was nice. So they know it's important. It's a marker point. Prayer before bed is another one. That time where they feel, mo- especially young, so I'm talking a lot about young kids, but that's where I'm at at the moment. You adapt accordingly. But when the kids are most vulnerable, they say when they're most listening and they want to talk and process is that moment before bed. What a perfect time to tell them a Bible story or to pray through something. A marker point in their day. Here's one for all of us. Church. Waking up Sunday, dragging the kids out of bed. For some of us that sit out in the cry room, don't even get to hear the sermon or don't get to participate in the music, are chasing kids around the cakes and, uh, and then watching the snotty kid that came and going, I hope I don't get that ready for the next, year, next, next day for school. And so it's just one big blur. And so they don't get anything essentially from it. And they don't get a conversation with any other parent because the kids don't want to go. But what it is... It's a spiritual discipline. It says to the child, hey, this is important. Spending time with our father, no matter how sick we get, no matter how noisy they are, no matter how horrible the experience, this is important to us. Now, it's not about every week. It's just saying marker points. This matters. Your kids will know. Each other will know. This whole church will know. Our brothers and sisters will Christ will know if this is kind of important to you. Make church a spiritual discipline in your home, in your friendship group. Even, dare I say it as a pastor, even if it's like we're committed to once a month, twice a month. It's not about being religious law. It's about saying this matters for us. I'd love you here every week, by the way. Appreciate that. Disclaimer. But I understand 
just make a commitment to something. So how did it work on me? I guess as a young parent, I can't really give you more examples, but I can talk about, and it's ironic, my parents are actually here today because they brought the kids, the girls, but what spoke into my life growing up, I can speak to that. I'll tell you what, what impacted me as a Christian kid growing up who had his moments, and uh, so far all my siblings still in church, passionately following Jesus. A couple of lay preachers and pastors, well, you know some Alan Kirsten up here. What, what was inputted in my life? What did I see? I'll be honest, it wasn't nightly Bible studies. I think we had some Bible studies at times at home, but it wasn't every night Dad came and said, gather around, we'll read. It wasn't actually that. Here's some things that stood out to me as I reflected, and hopefully they inspire us as families to make these predictable patterns. So Dad used to take me to band practice early with him. Now, that's, not the f- that's distracting for him, but he'd take me early to band practice. And what I would observe is people, the mini city, before you don't... Some of you might realise before church is like a mini city of people running around serving this place. And so I'd watch that. And I remember thinking, these people, this matters to them. This actually matters to them. This, they're actually serving this. Even if three people come or 200 people come, this is actually important to my dad and important to the people coming. And so I remember thinking, no matter what, no matter how far I pushed boundaries in my teenage life, I remember thinking, this actually matters to them. This is a real thing. It's not something they just do. So early band practice. How funny is that? My mum and dad did foster kids. So I blame them for taking in kids, orphans and kids that don't have that connection. I blame them for living out their faith. And so whether I... I had moments of doubt in my faith, as we all do, I knew that theirs was real. Because you don't take on kids and then essentially adopt them sometimes to give them back unless you have... Oh, I believe, unless you're powered by the love of Christ. So now we know Kirsten somehow have that little Milan. It's going to go back at some stage. We're praying for him. So that, that spoke to me about God's redemptive love in action. And then the third one is a weird one. Um, I blame them for camping because we go camp with our tribe. And I, I know you don't have to camp. <laughs> this is, again, not law, but I'd see other tribal elders or other people, and I'd go, oh, they actually believe this too. And so even if I didn't like the way my dad did stuff, or just thought dad and mum believe this, but no one else does, I got to see the tribal elders and got to see that actually there's a group here that take this seriously. So that was just a couple of observations. So what's your predictable patterns, church? How are you teaching and training your brothers and sisters or your kids, or your spiritual children? What things are you committing to? What things are you doing in the long term that will see transformation? I I think the best example of this, and I'll finish on this, is our Father in heaven. So yes, he sent us the, um, the Israelites, he sent the Ten Commandments, He sent the instructions to them. This is how you should live. And he lived in the middle as a cloud, speaking to them. But then in the ultimate parenting act for us, he goes, I need to show them how this works. And so he lived and he talked and he taught amongst us. 
And whether you believe in Jesus or not, you can't take away that his teaching has shaped Western civilization like nothing else. It is, if you don't believe in Jesus, it is strange how much this dude knew 2,000 years ago. Wrestle with that for a while at least. And then finally Jesus did the ultimate act and gave up his life for his kids. The best parent award goes to Jesus. And the best example on how to parent, how to live, how to be with your kids, show them the way, be with each other, church. So three questions to ask yourselves and your small tables. What predictable patterns did your family have growing up, good or bad, that shaped who you became? And what did, what, what did you find important? So thinking about what formatted you. What predictable patterns does your small table, family or friendship group have that works towards your identity and formation in Christ? And lastly, what predictable patterns could your small group slash family slash friendship group have that would help you grow deeper and wider together in Christ? Wrestle with those in the church news this week so you can take them with you and let's, um, let's pray. Father, such a responsibility Mentoring, such a responsibility leading, such a responsibility being a physical, literal parent or a spiritual parent, Lord. It's crazy that you would actually let us be in charge of other humans. Father, allow us to live what we preach. Father, allow our our peers and our kids to see a person that's imperfect clinging to a perfect God. Give us predictable patterns so that we can train them. Yes, instruct, but it train and equip, Father. Give us altars, give us marker points in the sand as a family, as a tribe, as a church, where we can grow to be more like you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the kids that are just making so much noise in the start of this service. Lord, thank you for what a blessing they are. Thank you for that responsibility. And I just pray right now, Lord, you help us. Give us the wisdom. Equip us to grow them to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen.